Welcome back to Ravens Recap, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the bye week as much as we did. Got a little bit of rest and relaxation and got to watch some mediocre games because our boys weren't playing. But nevertheless, we're back. We want to do a mid-season report of the Ravens. Granted, it's only been seven games, but it's a pretty natural spot with the bye week right around the midpoint of the season. So the way we're going to do this is go position by position, but rather than give a grade now, we're going to say if it's surprised, disappointed, or is about a push of what we expected going into the season. So who wants to start off with the quarterback? I guess I'll start off. So obviously the quarterback position is being helmed by Lamar Jackson, who we were expecting big things coming into this year. We're expecting him to take a a leap in his passing game while continuing to be a proficient runner when that was required of him. To start out with things I've been surprised about, I think I am a bit surprised that he's on pace to... I mean, come on. I think we're all surprised to the degree of which Lamar is running, not necessarily his success. I guess the fact that he's on pace to break an NFL record for no yards by a quarterback in a season. I mean, come on, there's there's several teams, not several, but a few t- teams who haven't even rushed as a team for as many rushing yards as Jackson has so far. So we saw it last year. That's been a surprise in my opinion. From a passing perspective though, he came out of the gate to start this year and he threw five touchdowns to no picks, which was surprising. I don't think we were really expecting him to make the leap that quick. Short was against Miami. Take that what you will with that. But I think going forward, throughout the re- if you take that one game out, passing-wise, he's had six touchdowns to five picks through the other six games, which I think is a little more in line with what I expected. And he's also not turning the ball over a ton, which he had a fumbling problem last year. Really hasn't fumbled the ball much this year. So I think for me, I would say taking the Miami game out of the equation... I think Lamar has pretty much hit my expectations so far this year. Yeah, you bring up a good point. I mean, week one definitely seems like an outlier. Now that it, we've had seven weeks of a film on Lamar, definitely was his best game by far as a passer. But even then, I feel like expectations for me, at least from last year, were that he was going to probably pick up where he left off um, in his running capability and improve a little bit as a passer, but I I probably still expected some more growing pains in the in the past game. And there I mean there have been some. I'm not gonna trying to discount that, but honestly, I think he's definitely been a surprise this year. I don't think many people expected him to improve as much as he did from year one to year two. Now, I think a lot of people have, have mentioned fairly that, you know, improvement isn't linear. It's not we shouldn't expect the same growth from year two to year three. But all that being said, he's definitely surprised me this year. So I was going to try to be bold and be like, ah, I'm not surprised. I thought he was going to tear it up. But after hearing you guys talk, I will say I was surprised by the level of running this year. I thought it would be less than it was last year. And I'm not quite sure why. I thought it'd be less designed runs than it's been and I'm not sure if it's because they're worried about Lamar's game if he had to go full on pocket passer similar to what we saw at the beginning of the 
Kansas City game, or if it was just because he's such a weapon, why would you get rid of that? But I, I overall thought this would roughly happen. It's a little bit better than expected, but overall, like I had a lot of confidence going into the season, he was going to really impress. I think the biggest surprise in relation to Lamar is how much this isn't him in a vacuum, but just how much better he's been doing than the four quarterbacks taken in front of him. I mean, those guys have been playing terrible this year. Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield. And like some of those guys are in, are in decent situations. Baker Mayfield has a better supporting cast overall than Lamar does. I think we can agree with on that. Josh Rosen isn't in great situations, nor is Josh Allen, though his situation isn't terrible. And all these quarterbacks are still young, but I think that's been one of the, been a good litmus test, I guess, to compare Jackson's development right now at this career is to compare him with how these other guys are doing. And for right now, the clear winner of the of the first round quarterbacks from last year's draft is the Ravens, despite the fact that they were the last to pick one. I absolutely agree with that. Chris, do you want to lead off running back and I'll take wide receiver? Yeah. So uh, Lamar Jackson, first of all, does not count in this position group, even though he leads the team in rushing. <laughs> but, but it uh, wouldn't be bad for a running back. <laughs> it wouldn't be bad for a running back. It actually be very good. <laughs> He's uh, Is he still sixth in the NFL or did he drop down after this past week? I think he dropped down to 10th. Uh, but yeah, the running back group coming into this year, I mean, we knew that we were going to keep Gus Edwards from last year. We knew that we drafted Justice Hill in the fourth round, and then we picked up Mark Ingram in free agency. I mean, I, you know, I definitely think that we were all pretty excited to pick up Mark Ingram to kind of lead this group. So again, this this one's kind of weird. Of like, I, I feel like we were definitely hyping up this offense in the offseason so it's not totally surprising but Ingram has been a great signing you know he's been very strong very powerful of a runner has a little bit of speed but not entirely breakaway speed you know as somebody like Justice Hill but um yeah I mean he's he's been a fantastic complement to Lamar to really propel this running game Gus Edwards Although Peter wants to get him more carries, he hasn't gotten that, but he's still been a pretty strong runner to close out games and spell Ingram for a couple plays. You know, the, the one guy who's maybe been a little bit of a disappointment so far, but I think his role is probably going to change a little bit starting with this game is Justice Hill. We've really only seen him a little bit. He's been returning kickoffs, but, you know, as far as actually him playing the running back position, haven't seen too much from him. So, you know, but overall... It's either a push or a little bit surprising, but uh, but yeah, we I think we've got a lot more to see from this group too. That's a good way to put it, Chris. I think the reason why I'm a little conflicted about this group is because Mark Ingram has exceeded my expectations. You've heard me glow about him in previous shows, but Justice Hill has not met my expectations, and I don't know if it was being unfair of him being a fourth round back to think he could come in and and really make an impact early I thought he would have the explosiveness to make more plays and I guess really what I'm most disappointed about is that his pass blocking is not where it needs to be for him to be an every down back but overall I'm impressed with the position and the how well they've been running and I would say I'm a slight 
slightly impressed, slightly surprised by the success. Gus Edwards, he's a guy that's really interesting to me just because we think that he would have a lot of success if he was a lead back, but he's not getting that opportunity this year. But it's good to know that you have a guy like that waiting in case of an injury to Ingram. I'm surprised you guys can't say right away that this group has exceeded expectations considering they have a running back who has averaged 60 yards per carry. I mean, come on. (laughs) Sure, his one carry was on a fake punt against Miami, but still. Um, In all seriousness, though, I think for me, this group is a push. It's basically what I expected, maybe not 100% the way I envisioned it. Mark Ingram, very hard-nosed runner. He's doing what we thought he would do. I was envisioning him to get finish around around 1,000 to 1,200 yards rushing, 67.1 per game. He's he's on good pace to hit that the floor of that. I think what is surprising is that Ingram has seven rushing touchdowns and Gus the Bus has zero. I was surprised <laughs> that we've really haven't really used Gus as a red zone back and when we the couple carries he has gotten within the 10 uh, he usually gets stuff for no gain a bit surprised on that although Gus was a little more of an open field runner last year and this year he's he's busted off a couple big runs so I was expecting both Edwards and Hill to get some more yards than they currently have right now but the reason for they they have less yards is because Lamar's getting those carries. So, yeah, good point. So I think overall, you know, Ravens. I, did I necessarily think that they'd be on a, a record pace as far as rushing yards per game? No, but I'm not surprised that they've been with in the top five consistently all year. So I would I would agree with you guys that that's kind of a push. I will say that we're kind of telegraphing any Gus bus rushes at the goal line because when you have guys like justice hill and ingram you're probably not going to pass with them if anything a pass play would be the surprise and then most likely he won't go to him and thus like he's not getting those touches so i think he's kind of in an awkward spot given his position on the roster and depth chart that is a good point i do think it'll be interesting to see as the games get colder if gus will get some more carries because ingram's not a small guy either but gus is a a huge bruiser almost in like a Jerome Bettis type build that can really wear down a defense in the cold weather. So that'll be interesting to keep an eye on going forward. Moving on to wide receiver. I would say that this group going into the season, I thought I would give it a B at this point. I'm going to have to say it'd be more of like a C plus. So they have been a little disappointing to me. And the reason I would say that is because after seeing Hollywood's performances in the preseason, I had a lot of excitement around him and I thought that he would perform and then he did exactly that until he got hurt however I didn't expect the rest of the cast to be so hit and miss hot and cold and that's the part that is disappointing me the production's been good enough to win the football games most of the time they haven't actively hurt the Ravens chances of winning in most points but they're not making life easy for the offense I think there could be more efficiency to be had. And I think that's the biggest thing I'm disappointed about is that I would like to see more efficiency out of the wide receiver targets. It seems like they're just not as successful as the targets to the tight ends or the running back position. No, I completely agree with you. And we were even talking about this 
uh, when we were recapping last week's game against Seattle, when he's healthy, Marquise Brown has, I think, slightly exceeded expectations. You know, coming in as a first-round pick, the only reason that we really had any doubts about this guy is because he's a first-round pick at wide receiver by the Ravens, and (laughs) those guys haven't panned out. But Hollywood, the player, he's been as advertised. He's got burner speed. He's been catching the ball well, good route runner, has some trouble against bigger, more physical defenders, which hopefully he'll bulk up a bit and and learn how to deal with that as his career moves on. But outside of that, yeah, I was kind of surprised this week that the Ravens extended Willie Sneed before the season is over because while him and Seth Roberts and and Miles Boykin have been doing a, a really good job as pass blockers, a very important part of this offense, they really haven't been consistent targets or consistently getting open when Andrews is having a bad game or when Hollywood is on the sideline. So, I mean, I wasn't expecting them to do too much more than they've done, but I do have to say this group is a disappointment for me because I was expecting a little more. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you kind of highlighted this pretty early on the season, Peter, and that, um, you know, we just haven't had really consistent receiving threats outside of Andrews and then Hollywood. Like you guys have both said, we've seen flashes from some guys. You know, Sneed has had a couple of catches, but, you know, sporadic catches. Boykin has now had a couple of nice catches, but, you know, he basically showed up week one and then this past week against uh, the Seahawks. And everywhere in the middle, you're like, where's Miles Boykin? I don't know what he's doing. So, I, yeah, for me, though, honestly, we knew that the Ravens were going to be such a strong running team, not only with ingram and company but with lamar i don't know if i really expected the offense to kind of be so dynamic as well in the passing game just because there are only so many targets to go around and because we know that the run game is going to be so strong i'm not sure i expected too much out of the wide receivers here so i'm going to push on this one but i do agree with you guys that the consistency from the rest of our receivers is is something that we still do need to work on it sounds like uh, at least some of the coaching staff were alluding to and some of the pressers that they gave last week was that Boykin seemed to be a little bit bogged down in some of the playbook uh, in the first part of the season. It seems like he might be getting caught up with it around now, so we might see a little bit more from him uh, in the next couple weeks, hopefully. Moving on to the next positional group, which unfortunately this group missed out on being out on the field on a very important day this past Sunday, which I learned about on Saturday. Did you guys know that last Sunday was National Tight End Day? <laughs> I too am on Instagram. I knew about that. Yeah, so I learned out about that on Saturday. Apparently, George Kittle created that holiday either last year or two years ago. Probably last year, I guess, because he was a rookie two years ago. And unfortunately for the Ravens' three talented tight ends... They were celebrating National Tight End Day on the couch instead of getting to showcase their skills. But, you know, the Bravens going into this season, we knew we had a good, solid group here. Last year, Mark Andrews had one of the most productive rookie seasons a tight end has had in the NFL. And he's picked up right where he left off and has gone into beast mode in some games to the tune that he already has 449 yards and three touchdowns. So he's on pace for over a thousand yards from the tight end position. Now I will say Andrews, if you look at his biggest games, 
sure, you can make the comment that they were against Miami, Arizona, and Cincinnati, and maybe he needs to come up a bit bigger against better defenses. But I, I think that's nitpicking there. Boyle and Hayden Hurst, they've made plays when called upon, not to the same impact as Andrews has. But I think this group has met my expectations. You know, we're, we keep mentioning Hayden Hurst's name on this podcast a lot, but in all honesty, he was a bit of a reach as a first-round pick. In reality, he probably should have been a second. So he's kind of performing where you would expect at this year if, if he was picked where he probably should have been slotted. And Boyle just continues to block well and get the reliable catch when required. I still can't remember this guy ever dropping a pass. I'm sure I'm wrong about that, but if he does, it's very rare. Well, there was that one uh, interception against the Steelers game was technically a drop pass Ah, by Boyle. That is true, and I I don't know how I could have forgotten that, but... Demote the whole position group. (laughs) In fairness, though, that was asking a lot from Boyle to make that catch. You're, You're asking him to make an athletic catch, whereas Andrews and Hurst are better athletes than him. Boyle is more of a a running lineman, I think. That was a tough play for him to make. But yeah, so for me, this group's a push. Yeah, my only complaint is I wish Hurst had more targets. (laughs) I'd really like to see that guy succeed, you know, whether it's with the Ravens or not. I know his his name's been brought up in some trade rumors, although no need to continue on with that because the trade deadline's already passed. But regardless, man, I'm going to keep rooting for him. I think he's a great guy. I really would like to see him succeed. But it's it's hard to take targets away from Andrews because he is just so good. There's a reason why he leads the team by far in targets. You know, he just, he aside from the Seattle game, he just catches everything. Street ball. Yeah, I had high hopes for this group, and I think they've met them. I would say our buddy Boyle he blocks so well and uh, has had great success there a lot of the running game successes are thanks to his excellent blocking skills it's great to have a guy who blocks at the level of basically a, a lineman but also has the speed and hands to go out there and make a catch like it's almost a cheat code that's how well he blocks so yep I had high hopes they met him so I'm very happy about that. Yeah, I believe our uh, O-line coach made a comment in his presser last week and basically said that Boyle is a glorified guard <laughs> <laughs> who can catch the ball. So yes, that's a very good skill combination to have. <laughs> so speaking of the offensive line, I would say for that group, they have exceeded my expectations for no other reason than... They've played cohesively day one, which I guess makes sense since there's a lot of consistency in the line this year. All the guys are returning players. But usually, I feel like with the Ravens and maybe across the NFL, it takes until about the middle of the season for the whole line to click and to be blocking well. But it seems like they're already doing that, which is great. And I think they're playing above their overall skill level, per se, even though we have two guys who are definite pro bowlers maybe even a third if you count brown yeah i mean i was gonna say for me ronnie stanley matt skura and yonda i think have met or exceeded expectations this year orlando brown's been good he's had some down spots uh, occasionally same thing with bozeman although i think bozeman did have a pretty good game against seattle as far as run blocking was concerned so 
yeah, overall for me, I mean, if three out of your five guys are kind of exceeding it, then I would say overall the position group's, you know, been exceeded. I agree with you guys that this position group has exceeded expectations. I also think this group could play a lot better, but I think that's another reason why they have exceeded expectations is because we coming into the season, you know, we, this group was looked at as the weak link of the team. I feel like Ronnie Stanley, like you said, has been a beast this year. It's hard to watch the offensive line, I feel, in real time because we're kind of more focused on where the ball is going with the skill position players and you're not paying attention as closely to the blocking as you can when you're watching a game recap. And Pro Football Focus, actually, they did a mid-season all-pro team. Three Ravens made the cut, uh, Justin Tucker, Marcus Peters, and Ronnie Stanley, who, according to Pro Football Focus's metrics, currently leads the league in pass-blocking grade. And I remember watching his game really closely when I was re-watching the game against the Steelers a couple weeks ago. And while that was just one game where I was really focusing on what he was doing, it felt like every time, every snap on offense, when the Ravens went back to pass, Stanley just had his guy locked down. And you didn't have to worry about the blind side at all in that case. Outside of that, I feel like Yonda may be having a slight down year. I feel like I've seen a couple more mistakes from his side of the field than I usually see. Orlando Brown's been a little inconsistent. Bozeman's had his struggles. I think Skura has actually been playing quietly, been doing a lot better than we thought he would coming into this year. Yeah, he's had some mistakes with the snap count at times this year, but he's been solid in pass protection. This group, our expectations were low coming into the year. They can still play better, but they've exceeded the expectations so far. Moving on to the other side of the line, defensive line group. You know, we got Brandon Williams, Michael Pierce, Chris Wormley, couple other guys, some new faces. What do you guys think? Yeah, this group's kind of hard to hard to judge for me because I feel like week to week they've had some good games like honestly the past 3 games I think the defensive line has done a pretty good job, especially against Cincinnati and Seattle. But obviously against Cleveland not so much. Part of that was because Brandon Williams was hurt. I also feel like it took Brandon Williams a bit to get going this year. He had an excellent game against Seattle and he's shown up from time to time as well. Michael Pierce has been solid to excellent all year. Chris Wormley continues to be a guy. Haven't really seen much from Mac (laughs) this year. If he's even had a snap, I don't know. I've never seen the guy on the field at least and noticed it. (laughs) Yeah, this one's hard. I would say they've been a slight disappointment, but there have been some games this year where they've been stellar. Yeah, I think for me, this position group's a little weird. Uh, I would probably lump in the outside linebackers in here as well. Just because I think when you think D-line, you're probably thinking like, okay, are they stuffing the run and are they rushing the passer? So I would put them in with that. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you do that, then I would definitely say that they've been a disappointment this year. Honestly, like, I mean, you can kind of make the argument that we didn't expect much from them this year because we did lose guys like Terrell Suggs and Zedaria Smith. And, you know, we knew coming into the season we wouldn't have them and they needed to be replaced. But I think there was a a good amount of hype in the preseason that, you know, people like Bowser and Williams would step up. Well, Williams is no longer with the team. And Bowser, although he's been picking it up, I think the last couple of weeks, Harbs has still kind of been calling him out a little bit. 
So obviously our head coach thinks that, you know, those guys could step up a little bit. Like, like you said, Peter, I think they're, they're flashes occasionally. Um, I agree with you. I think Williams had a phenomenal game against the Seahawks. I have very rarely seen that big man actually collapse the pocket and pass rushing department. And, you know, I saw him do that several times against the Seahawks. So kudos to him for that. But we'll see. There's definitely a lot of football left. We'll, we'll see how it progresses. I think we're trending in the right direction in terms of QB pressures, at least in the pass rush department. But yeah, we'll see. Unfortunately, the trade deadline's over, so I don't think we're going to be adding anybody else. Yeah, we'll have to see how the Ward pickup helps the team. But I think the defensive line is like the rest of the defense, trending upward but disappointing because the biggest thing that stands out to me is how when Brandon Williams was out, they were so porous against the run, it wasn't even funny. And I don't like the fact that we're that dependent on one player, it seems. That is the part that really scared me, is that it looks like the depth is not quite there. And the production we're getting is not good enough uh, you know, to be happy about it. So we definitely can't hurt, uh, lose anyone and get them hurt. Because, you know, people are only going to improve at so much of a rate. So I'm disappointed in the group. But like you said, Chris, they're trending in the right direction. So by the end of the season, I could definitely say they're a push. But they're not there yet. Moving on to another group that we were expect. I'll just say it right from the front, because it shouldn't be a surprise to fans. We were expecting more from this year is the linebacker core. This is also a hard group to grade because... You know, when we were coming into this season, we were expecting to be grading Peanut, Kenny Young, and uh, maybe Chris Board. But the past couple weeks, we've had Josh Bynes and LJ Fort, you know, two guys that Alec desperately wants to buy a beer for, step up, and they've done a great (laughs) job. (laughs) But I think by definition, you have to say this group is a major disappointment because the Ravens shouldn't have to trade away one of those guys. And then I think I think Peanut's been dealing with injuries. Chris Ward, I think, has just gotten outright benched. But you shouldn't have to find both your Mike linebacker and your weak side linebacker, starting Mike and weak line side backer, on the open market four weeks into the season, especially for a Ravens defense. That's just unheard of. So... That position group has been a disappointment, but can be a surprise if Fort and Bynes continue to play at the level they have so far. Yeah, this position group is definitely weird for exactly what you said, Peter. It's We came into this season knowing that we had four or five guys that were going to be on the team, and we had some high hopes, I think, for them. But yeah, halfway into the season, I mean, we're looking at a completely different position group. Kenny Young isn't even with the team anymore. Peanut has been having injuries over the last few weeks. Bynes and Ford have kind of held it down. You know, we might see Chris Ford for like a play or two, but yeah, he's kind of gone. Alaka is also gone. Really, the other guys we see a linebacker are really our safeties or, you know, some of the uh, sort of flex position players. So yeah, I mean, from that perspective, you definitely cannot argue that this position group has not been a disappointment. Um, I'll say even for me, like I'll, I'll eat this. I remember, I think talking to somebody, it may have been on the the Raven subreddit or something. 
And, you know, I, I said that in the offseason that, you know, if Peanut has a good year this year, you know, he might be one of the best undrafted uh, linebackers that the Ravens have ever had. And I thought at the time, you know, it might have been a little bit of a stretch. I know we've had a lot of undrafted free agent linebackers over the years. From what I saw last year, he was a, a really good you know, player last year in, in certain situations. But eight weeks into this season, I can fully say that that was a totally wrong take. <laughs> I think, you know, Peanut probably got a lot of benefit from being in really good situations last year, but he... I do do not think he's going to get another chance to earn the Mike spot uh, in in the Ravens defense. He might get it from another team, but he's definitely not getting it here. And and for me, I mean, you know, that that's a huge disappointment when we expected him to kind of take over that role when CJ left. Wow, I didn't even think to say that he wouldn't get a chance at the role again. I mean, you got to keep going with what's working during the middle of the season, but I, I think during the offseason he might get a chance but yeah that's good that's really interesting man i have not much more to add other than the fact that yes they've been a disappointment and but that i am overall very impressed with how we've got lj ford and Bynes playing at such a high level with such little time getting familiar with the defense yeah and to be clear i mean i think peanut's gonna get a shot at like the will spot i just don't think he's gonna get a shot again at the mic spot i i think that experiment has happened at least twice now hasn't really worked. What better situation are you going to be in when you're literally the guy, CJ Mosley, goes and leaves for a huge contract and you're like the only one in that position and people are like, oh yeah, this is yours to take. (laughs) And he didn't take it. Like, you know, you can't be in a much better situation than that and just it didn't work out. I don't think it's going to work out for us again. Yeah, that's a very good point. So let's move on to the secondary. I think for the sake here, guys, we should probably lump together the cornerbacks and the safeties. I mean, it is a pretty large position group here, but... Um, I agree with that. <laughs> okay. Honestly, I think coming into this season, we knew that this was our strongest position group on paper by far. I mean, we, you know, we the only major piece here was swapping out Eric Weddle for Earl Thomas, and I think a lot of us would have considered that would be a pretty big upgrade. I mean, Earl is a all-pro potential Hall of Fame player. I mean, Eric Weddle was as well, but I mean, he was a couple years younger than Weddle, probably closer to his prime. So we would consider that an upgrade. And I mean, returning back, I mean, we have Jimmy Smith, Brandon Carr, Marlon Humphrey, Tavon Young, all four very good corners. But in the offseason, I mean, Tavon goes down with a neck injury. Week one, Peanut runs into Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith is out for eight weeks and counting, you know, suddenly you have guys like Anthony Averett, Maurice Kennedy trying to step up into this other spot and, you know, they don't do so well, mixed results. I mean, and now we have, I mean, heck man, I mean, we have players like Tony Jefferson out for the season. Deshaun Elliott, the guy that we're really high on, also out for the season. (laughs) So, I mean, I, I think we've talked about this at length and that some of the, at least the on the field issues were probably a combination of the secondary and the inside linebackers. But I mean, honestly, like, you know, we've, we've just lost so many guys to injuries. It's really hard to, to say that we've met our expectations here because we just haven't had the guys that we expect to be here. (laughs) I mean, what do you guys think? Totally, man. It's a really difficult one to grade. We thought it was going to be a whole different starting lineup come the beginning of the year and that got 
torn away from us very swiftly. So it's hard to grade this group. I think they have overall met my expectations if I had to really think hard about it. And this is kind of talking with a little bit of recency bias, but when you add a guy like Marcus Peters, you got Jimmy Smith coming back healthy this week against New England, it seems. He practiced in full today. I think that Chuck Clark has been playing really well, and we're seeing him really step up in that position. So I think they're meeting my expectations of being a really good group, but it took a couple weeks for them to figure it out after all these injuries. So, yeah, definitely a really interesting group. I think by definition, injuries are disappointing. So you have to say this group's been a disappointment because of that. I mean, it's just been an abnormal amount of injuries to a positional group with Jimmy Smith for half the season, Tavon Young for the entire season, Tony Jefferson goes down after six weeks. And I feel like individually, there's been really good performances by on this team. Obviously, Marlon Humphrey has been having a great year. Brandon Carr has been playing well, not great. Earl Thomas, it took him a couple games, but I think he's been playing at a high level since about the Browns game. I agree with you, Alec, that recency bias seems to suggest that some of these problems that was plaguing the secondary may have been fixed. I still have to see more, especially against teams like New England coming up, and we got Houston. Deshaun Watson can certainly throw the ball around quite a bit. Games against the Rams, even though Jared Goff isn't doing as well this year as he has in years past, um, to really say that this group is even a push, in my opinion, especially with them currently ranking around 27th as far as yards per game given up in the air. But this game coming up against New England and then three weeks from now against Houston will serve as great litmus test to prove that what the Ravens did to Russell Wilson wasn't an aberration and is actually what we can expect from this group, which I believe can be the case, but still going to have to see it though. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I feel like the theme, at least for the whole defense, is that things were bad, They've gotten better. Fortunately, we've been able to pick up a couple guys like Jihad Ward, Josh Bynes, LJ Fort, Marcus Peters to really kind of shore up some of those gaps that we had, add some depth, and in a lot of these cases, you know, for guys to step in and be starters. And, you know, ever since we've kind of had that, things have started to solidify a little bit. So um, things are trending up, which is good. So, Peter, I think you got to be the one to talk about special teams. Oh, man. So, you know, the old dependable group we can always count on here with the Ravens is the special teams. Year in and year out, the Wolfpack, Morgan Cox, Sam Cook, and now Justin Tucker, the newly appointed wizard, are always dependable. And for Tucker's case this year, as I've been saying against the Steelers, he finally reached wizard mode and... He hasn't missed a kick yet. He's kicked game winners, game tires. I think Tucker is continuing to show how big of an asset he is in today's kicker-starved NFL for this team. As far as Sam Cook and Morgan Cox, Morgan Cox has had a couple bad snaps as of late. Uh, that's something to keep an eye on. And Cook, I don't have the punting numbers in front of me, and then punting numbers are always tough to read, I feel, because of... What does net average mean if you don't know where was the team, where were they trying to pin the defense and all that? 
I feel like he's taken a, a slight step back this year. I don't remember as many balls going inside the 20 this year. So I think this group is a, is a push. They're what we expected. Cox and, and Cook are, are above average, and Tucker is the greatest kicker ever. And you know he's not the only wizard on the team anymore, right? Did you guys, <laughs> did you guys hear about Lamar's Halloween costume? Yeah, I did hear about that's, that. That's yeah. a great one. <laughs> yeah. I love that presser when they asked him about it. And the one guy was like, oh, yeah, I saw it on Instagram. Lars, they was like, hey, give him a fist bump. <laughs> so watch out, JT. You got some competition. <laughs> in all seriousness, though, Peter, I, I agree with you. I think it's a push. I mean, the number one special teams in the NFL. I mean, they're still the number one special teams in the NFL. It's not really a surprise. <laughs> so it's, I think it's a push. Yeah. <laughs> right, not much more to guys. say as far as the rest of it sure the Ravens gave up an opening kickoff to Cincinnati they had a trick punt trick uh, punt that we already talked about where Levine took the snap and ran 60 yards but it was against Miami not really too much more to talk about on coverage team <laughs> actually that's not entirely true because we did hear Tomlin's postgame comments about how the Ravens kick coverage combined with the hang time Tucker was giving them uh, may have won the game for the Ravens against the Steelers. That's right. It does make me sad. It was so close of a game, though. Should not been that close. <laughs> Ravens Steelers is always close, though, man. Remember those games where it was like Sunday Night Football, the Super Bowl year. The the Steelers started the washed up Mike Vick, or maybe it was By- no Byron Leftwich. Remember they started Byron Leftwich, and it still took the Ravens till the fourth quarter to put that game away. <laughs> yeah doesn't make it acceptable yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys before we end this show we gotta talk about the coaches and i think maybe the front office and i'm gonna just say they have blown me away this season you know i, I always thought harbs was a good coach and i've been impressed with roman and winks play calling and just overall scheming with the players that they have particularly wink just dealing with all the injuries but the front office being able to identify those players to pick up and sign in the middle of the year to plug those holes, I'm floored. And the analytics, gotta can't forget about the analytics. You know, people around the NFL are pointing at the Ravens as being in the forefront of the analytics uh, takeover of the NFL, so to speak, and really impressed with their approach to the game in the 2019 season. I am just, I might be most excited about that group because. The players, they they have to, you know, play and do well, obviously, but the coaches are the ones who decide what players get to play, which players get the time, and what schemes they're going to play, and they're a huge part of it, too, and I think they're clicking on all cylinders. Yeah, I completely agree with that, and, you know, it's funny. I haven't heard too many people complain about Harbaugh going forward on fourth down when the Ravens get a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. I mean, I still, you know, we still talked about how, despite the fact that the Ravens did not beat Kansas City, better play calling was the problem with those fourth down or two point conversion calls, not the action of going for two. And commend Harbaugh for looking more to analytics and evolving his coaching style to fit today's NFL, which I think. DaCosta must have seen seen Harbaugh start to do that last year, and that was why Harbaugh got the extension. So far this year, 
you can't argue with a five and two start. It looks like the front office made the right decision to keep Harbaugh rather than playing the new coach lottery, which I mean, maybe it would have gotten the Ravens a better coach. I think that it's very hard to find a coach. And I think we've had that discussion before on this pod. Also, Greg Roman, you know, we can make some critiques of his play calling, but for the most part, how can you argue with an offensive coordinator who's leading a a team with as dominant as a rushing attack that the Ravens have had this year? So can't argue with that move of replacing Marty with Greg. So far, it looks like it's gone great. And like you said, DaCosta is just making an excellent first impression, showing his savvy for making great moves, extending players, contracts that are key members of the team. So, yeah, we we had high expectations for this group, and they've exceeded those high expectations. Yeah, I completely agreed with you guys as far as your assessment on the coaches. Uh, I don't really have anything to add, just that I think they have definitely exceeded our expectations this year, particularly Eric DaCosta. I, I think his moves that he's made both in the offseason and, you know, some of the trades and pickups that we've made in the in the past couple games have been outstanding for us and hopefully they continue to create dividends for us and propel us to the to the playoffs and back to the Super Bowl. So I think with that we're gonna wrap it up here. Hope you guys enjoyed our midseason recap. If you have any feedback for us, please feel free to reach out to us on our Twitter at Ravens Recap or email us at feedback at ravensrecap.com and uh, tell your friends. We're on uh, basically anywhere you can find your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever. That would be great. And we'll uh, come back with our next episode to prep for the Sunday night game against the New England Patriots. So uh, we hope to see you there.